Welcome to the City of Crystal podcast, a look at the issues and initiatives regarding the City of Crystal, a fully developed first-tier suburban community just west of Minneapolis. Hi, welcome to the third edition of the Crystal podcast. Our topic this week is utilities. My name is Jim Adams. I'm the Crystal of Air. Today we have Mark Ray with us. He is our Public Works Director and our City Engineer. Welcome, Mark. Glad to be here. (laughs) This is a topic that, you know, on the face of it doesn't sound all that interesting, but there's been a lot of chatter about it. There's been a lot of people talking about what's going on with our rates, what's going on with some of our our infrastructure, and and what some of that stuff means. So we're going to talk a little bit, you know, deeper about what those things are. Why don't we start with basics? You know, what, what utilities does the city cover? Yeah, so here in the city of Crystal, we have five different utilities. So we have water distribution, we have wastewater collection, stormwater management, recycling, which is actually provided by the Hennepin Recycling Group, and then street lights, which is primarily done by Excel Energy. So how is this different than other cities? You know, most cities actually it's pretty similar in terms of the structure and the services provided. The biggest difference might be in, in some of the nuances. So, for example, with us working with the Hennepin Recycling Group to provide recycling services. Some cities might provide their own recycling services, probably through a contract hauler, but not be a consortium like we have with the Hennepin Group. Yeah, usually when I think about utilities, I think about water and sewer. That's pretty much where my mind goes all the time. So oftentimes we talk about infrastructure and what that infrastructure is. Can you delve deeper into that and tell me what infrastructure means? Because it's not just one thing. Yeah, so I think my line is always, you know, public works makes normal happen. And so I like to relate that to your morning, right? So if you you wake up, you go to the bathroom, you shower. Part of our responsibility is making sure that that water is always there, it's reliable, and it's available 24-7 and safe. Once you've used that water and it's sent back down the drain, that's again where public works comes involved with the wastewater collection. We then have obviously responsible for the pipes and the lift stations that transport that material to Metropolitan Council's larger interceptor lines where they collect it from bigger communities and then ultimately treat that water and release it back into the Mississippi. Okay. So that's just kind of the water wastewater side and obviously stormwater management. Uh, when it rains, anything that's an impervious surface, so a street, a house, you know, water runs off from that. And so we need to make sure we're responsible in how we manage that, not only from a flooding standpoint, but just from a water quality. Because one of the things we're really fortunate to have here in the city of Crystal, we have, you know, Bassett Creek running through the city on the south side. We have Twin Lakes up on the north and then right through the central core, a chain of ponds. And so protecting our water quality is definitely an asset to the city. Then obviously beyond that with street lighting uh, for nights and then just not necessarily seen as utility, but obviously responsible for street operations and sidewalks and just transportation in general in the city. Yeah. So, you know, as you're listing these, I'm thinking to myself, you know, some of these topics could be just its own half-hour show, mm-hmm. especially stormwater. I mean, there's so many things we've done over the years with street reconstruction and in what we do in underneath the ground, like Becker Park, what we did there. There's just a lot there that we've, we've spent time planning, money, uh, to help solve some of the problems and hopefully make things better. Well, that's <laughs> definitely one of the challenges you see is so much of what we do is underground. So you've spent literally tens of millions of dollars over the years doing these projects, and it's all buried out of ground, so kind of the out of sight, <laughs> out of mind, unless it goes wrong. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the, the cool and exciting things that we've done because things are definitely better in terms of just our overall system reliability. But for most residents, they never had any issues with their water their sewer today and so for them it's it's out of mind but yet that there's actually a lot of investment to make that be something they don't even think about 
especially for sewer when that goes south you know it it's a big deal it's a bad day yeah it's <laughs> for those impacted residents by a sewer backup it's it's definitely a bad thing and that's why i always encourage residents please do not flush anything beyond just toilet paper down the system um it's amazing the stuff we pull out of there yeah flushable wipes don't flush them yeah please don't <laughs> sweatshirts stuffed animals we've seen it all oh, yeah no i can't tell you the things that i've found in the traps for toilets whether it be yeah. toothbrushes combs forks those types of things yeah. And luckily, those things get caught up in the toilet and don't end up in our system. <laughs> well, and I think same note, too, is even garbage disposals. You know, I mean, they're absolutely a nice feature, but just be careful with what you put down there because if right. it doesn't move through your system, it can cause problems. I had a situation in my house just with grease, um, and we always were very diligent about always wiping out whatever it is, you know, before washing it, but we'd never cleaned a certain portion of our pipes out of the house. And we had to get in there, we had to kind of a little bit back up, and the amount of grease in there was just unbelievable right. from, you know, 60 years of accumulation. Right. So it, it affects not only the infrastructure, but it affects the pipes within your own Absolutely. home. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's a big yeah. deal. Um, I'd like to back up a little bit. We talked about some of the partners that we work with for, uh, you said, you mentioned Hennepin County. We also work with Met Council. You mentioned that. We didn't talk about the Joint Water Commission, but can you kind of explain what the Joint Water Commission is? Yeah, so just taking a step back, (laughs) it's actually, so the title is the Hennepin Recycling Group. It's actually not affiliated with Hennepin County that provides our recycling. On the water side, we're part of the Joint Water Commission, which is both Crystal, actually it's all three, Crystal, New Hope, and Golden Valley. They actually started this commission back in 1963 um, when they formed the commission to purchase water from the city of Minneapolis and provide it to our residents. On the wastewater side, Metropolitan Council Environmental Services is the, uh, the agency that collects all the wastewater and then ultimately treats it. So, yeah, obviously there's a lot of stakeholders uh, that we have to communicate and coordinate with to make normal happen. Right. When it comes to paying for these services, we pay fees for some of the things that they provide, and that's that type of stuff gets passed on to us. So when we start looking at our pricing, we have a number of factors that happen. One is infrastructure. One is just paying for the base service. Can you talk about the base service pricing and what you see there? Yeah, so the big thing with how we try to change our structure is not only provide a little more stability for our long-term planning efforts, because that was one of the big challenges we had when we initially started, was trying to estimate long-term cost projections as well as revenue streams. So uh, as residents look at their bill, the base service fee that's on there, that covers our staff operations and our city capital needs, which just for providing those services to your house, even if you're not using much water, we have to have the same infrastructure there to provide that service. When we look at the consumption side, on the water production side, that consumption price is tied to what the Joint Water Commission charges us, not only for water, but for capital projects associated with the Joint Water Commission, whether that's the reservoirs, the water towers, or some of the larger distribution pipes. So that consumption line for water ties back to what the JWC is charging the city. Over on the wastewater side, that consumption is tied to what the Met Council charges us to treat, well, actually to collect and treat the wastewater in the city. And right now for 2020, we just got an estimate from them. You know, that annual cost is projected to be over $1.7 million, which is a little over a 4.3% increase in rate from our last year's rate. And there's a number of factors that tie into that, the way the Met Council looks at it. They look at basically what percentage of the total flow they treat came from Crystal. It's kind of that's a short version of how they do that calculation. Yeah, 
you know, when we talk about fees, you, you can see that it's kind of complex in terms of usage and in terms of infrastructure. You know, I'm going to ask you some of these questions, and it feels kind of funny for me to ask some of these questions because I know it's council-driven. But infrastructure, c- can you kind of tell me what you've gone through? I know we have a philosophy in the council that's we're trying to become debt-free and not use debt for capital expenditures. And ultimately, when we talk about infrastructure, it's, it's a capital asset that's going to be in, under the ground for quite some time. Can you talk about how you maneuvered through that and how that shows up? Well, the biggest thing we started with actually, separate from the financing side, was just what our long-term plan is from a delivering project standpoint. Because everything's under the ground, if you were to fix a water main, you're digging through the street. If you fix the sewer, you're also digging through the street. And then you have normal street maintenance as well. And so how can we layer these things so we're really trying to minimize the number of times we have to dig into a street, and when we do, try to coordinate that with planned street maintenance anyway. So this effort, I'm not kidding, was over a year and a half trying to figure out how to not only look at water pipes, sanitary sewer pipes, but also street maintenance, which consists of, yes, full reconstructs, but also mill and overlay and crack sealing and try to fit all these different pieces together. And then once that exercise was done, then take into account the accounting side of it. Um, and so it was a very uh, process. We did it all internally with staff working through many iterations. And ultimately, plan is over 130 years long now, which I realize seems like a very long time. But that was kind of where it came to, trying to balance the cost and expenditures. And the cost in today's dollars is approaching $300 million. Wow. So once that was wow. kind of established as this is where we're at, and that was taking into consider the revenue stream projections over the next 10 years, and trying to say, okay, this is where we're at, and this is where kind of the council directive is to stay within these parameters. So balancing revenue with expenditures, that's what kind of made it a 130-year timeline. One of the benefits that we really have, and, and this cannot be minimized, is that the northern two-thirds of the city are in sandy soils. Yes. If we were in clay soils, this would be a completely different conversation. Right. And if you look at where our next recons are, which is in the southern part of the city, you can see the impact of where we're going to be. We're doing two blocks, which is they're longer blocks in Southern Crystal this summer at a cost of was it $1.6 million for two blocks. Wow. You know, and that's water, that's sewer, and the street that are going to be getting me done. We have 86 miles of street in the city. So now there's some nuances, right, because not every street has water and sewer below it. Some do, some don't. And that was part of the iterative process we had to work through to, to oh, try to balance everything that. out. I didn't even think about that. That's right. Yep. And then on top of that, not all streets have stormwater on it. And so trying to figure out how to kind of manage that part, because that was another fact we had, is what stormwater needs are there, where there's capacity issues or just maintenance issues. So it's very much a layered cake that we tried to work through in a, in a long, thoughtful process to at least provide a framework to make decisions. And so what our residents would see is we have basically areas of the city are grouped by an estimated construction window that might last anywhere from three to ten years to complete that entire area. Once the city gets close to taking on that project, we will then do a detailed feasibility study to really take that large area and break it down based on priority needs. Even things like, okay, how are the trucks going to get in and out of this? Because we don't want them driving on brand new pavement from last year to get to next year's project. And so trying to kind of work through that to really make every dollar go as far as it can for the long-term interest of the city. Wow, it's you know I knew I'd come here and learn something. There's a there's a lot more detail here than, well, I mean, than I thought we'd get into. Actually, we had the long one of the long conversations was on your neighborhood there. It's a dead end neighborhood, right? So you, so how do we strategically get in there, understanding that the water and sewer are all connected? 
So at some point you got to start and stop your construction, but the trucking route basically comes from two different roads in. And so we went through a number of iterations of trying to do that, respecting the, the revenue side too of, well, this is what we can afford to do. Right. I, I always... I always have a tendency to focus on financing part of it, and that's just my background. So in our effort to try to bring this back to what, what citizens look at, there, there's a couple questions that you know, I'm, I'm thinking people listening to us talk might be thinking. And the first one is, okay, we just got done redoing all the street reconstruction starting from the south side of our city to the north side of our city, and now we're doing it again. And I, I guess this, let's kind of just simplify it. And what's the biggest difference between street reconstruction and a lot of what you're talking about now? Well, that's exactly it, right? It's street reconstruction. In very few cases, we actually touch the water and sewer below the streets. It's important to think about phase 16 was five miles of road we did in one summer at a cost of about $1.6 million. Or actually it wasn't, that was significantly higher due to some other stuff too we're now looking at doing two blocks for 1.6 million dollars which um, is the phase the- 16 actually was i want to say it was around five or six million dollars i think is where the final price tag was because we yeah. had that deep sewer work so two blocks of that on region yeah. we had everything done that's right we also had contaminated stuff that added probably close to a half a million dollars in cost to just manage that part of it so um, exactly, exactly that. It's a street project. And for those residents who say, you know, I'm just paying off my assessment and now the city's coming back. What I would say about the street reconstruction project is it really, we have another 20 years out of that street, actually longer than that for many of these streets. Right. And while we'll be coming in with a mill in order, which is normal maintenance, we're not going to be coming back for the reconstruct for a few years now, generally in that southern portion of the city. So that pavement is going to be 25, 30 years old. And it's also important to realize the curb wasn't generally replaced in those first areas. So it was literally just subgrade and street is all that project was. Um, So that's an interesting thing. I hadn't thought about that particular curb piece, but when we compare early prices of these street reconstructions to what what they were in the 16th phase, there was quite a price difference. So what you're telling me is the scope increased a little bit. Well, it it absolutely increased, and that was actually part of the long-term plan was that when we got to phase 14, 15, and 16, we did all the curb because we knew, based on our planning projections, that we aren't going to be back there for over 75 years. Yes. So we need that curb will likely not be torn out by a utility reconstruction. That curb, if it gets replaced, will be spot replacements as part of a mill and overlay, which is what you see right now happening in generally the Valley Place neighborhood with that project going on. That curb was not generally replaced as part of the street reconstruction project. So now we're going in there, we're doing spot replacements to deal with some drainage issues. And we're, we're replacing the top level of payment on that. Yeah. So uh, as, as we go through and do these utilities, it's going to look almost identical to a street reconstruction, but there's a ton more work going it's on. It's going to take a lot longer. And yeah. I think that's one of the major, one of the major um, frustrations for residents is that, you know, because they have to replace the sewer and the water, I mean, those are, the street will be dug up multiple times working through that process. So what we've done from a council side on the finance side is we've gotten rid of street assessments or any types of assessments relating to utility projects or street maintenance. Yeah, I would call them just special assessments. Special assessments. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> There's so many different terminologies, <laughs> terms that you can use to describe the same thing, you know, like property assessments, whatever. Um, so we've gotten rid of those, and you know, I, some of the work that you did to kind of figure out what that street reconstruction looked like 
And it, over 25 years, it was, I think it was $40,000. We did a little study in- $44 million. Forty-four yeah. million. So, so what we what we specially assessed our residents as part of that entire street reconstruction project was to the tune of about forty-four million dollars. So, I bring that up to kind of compare the scope. You know, in today's dollars, that's about sixty million. And when you compare that cost to what the whole system looks like, what did you say? Three hundred. We're looking at three hundred million dollars. Three hundred million. And, and keep in mind that forty-four million, as we already discussed, was only generally for streets and maybe curbs in the later project. Correct. Correct. And now we're talking about doing water and sewer. And so that's where it becomes much more complicated too. Yeah. So again, I try to bring this back to, you know, what is a citizen thinking? What is a, what, what are they experiencing? They're experiencing, as we know, uh, increases in their, their costs, whether it be for water, for sewer. We've added some infrastructure costs. And to pay for $300 million worth of infrastructure over whatever period of time you want to come up with and not do it using debt, you're going to have to do that on the front end rather than the back end. So what we're seeing is an increase of, of these fees on the front end to accommodate all the water main breaks and to accommodate the new structure. But when it comes to paying for the infrastructure, it's not just utilities, is it? Yeah, so the way we fund our utility system, or really our infrastructure, I'm going to say infrastructure in general, not just utilities. So streets are generally paid for using property taxes or some money we get from state aid, which is primarily funded by gas tax. Um, but obviously in light of everything going on right now, we don't, I mean, we get over $200,000 a year in gas tax for maintenance of state aid system. With gas consumption going down and costs going down, that could play into this. Beyond that, obviously, we have the utility funds and those utility fees that our residents pay. Those are the tools we generally use here in the city of Crystal. But as you alluded to, other cities use things like franchise fees. They use bonding. Depending if there's development, they might use TIF funding for, to do some of that stuff as well. So there's a whole variety of potential ways to fund stuff, but we're really trying to, to consolidate it down to say, you know, here's where you're paying in, and here's what we're getting, and here's what we're delivering for that. Right. One of the efforts is to try to make things more transparent. And if we talk about property taxes and then we talk about utility fees, that's pretty simple. We don't have to think about the franchise fees or or what people perceive as hidden fees, you know, what you see is what you get. And in terms of using debt, you know, that's something that I'm trying to get away from is for the same reason that you're doing so much planning is to get every benefit out of every dollar that we can. And that's, you know, when we do it on both sides of the of the, the scale where we're doing it for planning and we're doing it on the finance side, we're going to really get our bang for our buck. And I, I'm just, I'm tickled at how conscientious you are about the dollars. Well, I think the other thing too is just out of respect for our residents and trying not to disrupt them. Right. You know, to minimize disruption and get it in, get out and move on. Yeah. So I've heard on the street, they're talking about how come our fees are, are so much more than our neighbors. And basically what we've talked about is the reason why is because they're, they're pulling fees from other locations and they will, they will have their increases later on down the line when they actually acquire their debt. So we're seeing that now in communities we can compare communities around us where they're starting to do some changes well i think the other important thing too is that if you were to talk to the operations side i don't know that those communities would say that they're adequately funded for what they need to do anyway right and i think that's one of the things i'm very proud of here in the city of crystal is we're doing a lot of good stuff i think we're leaning in and we're pushing forward right and my challenge <laughs> on the council mm -hmm. 
for utilities is that we have created a deficit of $60 million by getting rid of assessments. And what we're attempting to do is to bring that funding to a proper level. And we're doing that through utilities. So even though our utilities are more, it's not an increase in tax. In fact, we're still in a pretty dramatic deficit. When, when I look at the two funding mechanisms we have, which are, are the way we charge for utilities and fees and property taxes, we're also using property taxes to fund the utilities and the infrastructure of the utilities because, again, we still have that big deficit that we're trying to overcome. Well, yeah, exactly. And so one of the things we do is so we have a street maintenance fund, and some of the money from that street maintenance fund is used to – because obviously we're, we're replacing the street as part of a utility project. Yes. And so so part of that street maintenance fund, which is funded through property taxes and gas tax, does go back into those utility projects too. But well, yeah, the, the lion's share is definitely is in the utility funds. And that's one of the challenges, right, is we're, we're trying to close that gap. You know, the, right. the street maintenance project was $60 million. We're trying to do that, understanding our costs are going up because we're doing utility and not just streets, and then just being responsible in terms of how we're funding that and, and really trying to, to plan for it and, and carry it all in the utility bill and property taxes. Right. And, you know, I, th- I think from, from my perspective, I've been talking to the council about increasing our capital in general as well as you know for for the streets we still have some work to do and as because we're political beings nobody wants to raise taxes mm-hmm. you know i don't want to raise taxes especially when i'm facing a re-election but that's why this discussion is important from political standpoint from my for myself is when you look at the whole picture it's not really increasing taxes we're just trying to get back to the level we were mm-hmm and move around where we're getting right. these fees. And I, I think we're doing an awesome job. I've, I'm amazed at the work that you've done in terms of your conscientious Well, I think the other thing residents need to think about, too, is our system was built out in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So we're 60 years into this. It's not like we've been saving the whole time right. to prepare for this. you know. So we're looking at basically rebuilding a system that we've benefited from for the last 60 years. And that's the real thing with utilities. And rates is you can't really look at year to year, but you got to kind of take this long-term horizon for what are the true costs are. Right. I mean, what we're really doing is we're preparing for the generations in front of us. Absolutely. It's, there's no question about it. Right. And Just like they did for us in building the system. Correct. And when we look at some of the things that we hear from residents, they talk about, you know, the fees that they're still paying on their property taxes for the assessments and what we're doing now. And really the scale is completely different, and it's actually for different stuff. So um, it's important to understand that how big your job is, how big infrastructure and utilities are. I mean, we're just, quite frankly, scratching the surface, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we've done what, what we've really done here. I'm not aware of many, if any other cities, kind of going to this level to try to, to work it out and plan it out in, in a 130-plus-year time frame. You know, for our residents, um, I definitely understand that you know, they, they're concerned about taxes going up and and everything like that. But the other thing to keep in mind, too, is the number of cities use other things to fund infrastructure. And so that, that knee-jerk reaction to compare property taxes, you know, number to number or to look at utility rates number to number, you really unfortunately can't do that because it's much more complicated than that. And, right. and if you look at the numbers, it can be a significant difference depending on, on where you live. Correct. And it's hard, to bring, it's hard to bring those together because they're separated in time. If people are using financing for utilities... That's not going to happen until they start the project. Mm-hmm. And those are going to be a little bit more dramatic because they're going to have the financing included on there. 
and we're seeing that with the community right next to us. They're doing some major infrastructure increases in their in their water, and it's going to be kind of a shock when that bill comes due. So we'll see. But they also use, as we were discussing earlier, they use franchise fees on their you know center point and, and Excel Energy bills to help fund infrastructure as well. Yeah, yeah. And so there's that other source of funding they've always had for infrastructure that if you're just looking at your utility bill or your property tax bill, you don't see, but it is another revenue stream for them. That's a conscious decision. That isn't good or bad, but it just well, makes it hard for our residents to see. You, you can't compare city to city, and I think that's the challenge that you definitely have as an elected official yeah. trying to you know, communicate and it's, that. And it's real, it's real tempting to compare like Golden Valley to Crystal to New Hope because we're all part of the Joint Water right. Commission, but it's bigger than that as yeah. well. And when it comes to infrastructure, we like for emergency wells, we did emergency wells. We had three cities who financed that completely three different ways. Right. It, <laughs> and yep. they have different effects. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very complex. But our goal is to get every bang for the buck. Our goal is to have, the, to have great planning, long-term planning, so that we know what's coming, so there's no surprises. It just stabilizes everything in the long term. Well, I think the big thing right now is the, you know, the concern with the response to coronavirus and the impact it has. The reality for us with not using special assessments and paying for stuff in cash is we're not all of us we're not in a panic mode trying to figure out how we're going to deliver this year's projects. Right. Yes, are we going to potentially look in, into future years? Absolutely. But for this year, for those aging infrastructures that still need to be replaced, we are still committed to delivering that project this year. Right. So we've we've got a stable system here in Crystal. Right. All right. Well, thank you for coming in and kind of giving us a deeper dive, Mark. It's been it's been a pleasure. I absolutely love the work you do, and I am grateful for your efforts and the extra steps that you take. So, uh, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. And again, if any residents have any questions, never hesitate to reach out. That's correct. And you can reach me by phone as well. Uh, that's all we have. Have a great week.